Hola, hola, hola. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Pan with El Profe and Letty. This is season two, episode four. Can you believe it? it's been a while? I know. We apologize. As always, <laughs> life gets busy. We try our best. In fact, we're actually doing a Zoom session recording this new episode. And, well, of course, always my partner in crime, Larry. Larry, how's life been treating you? Man, it's, it's, it's been going. It's been going good. Um, yeah, so we're doing virtual today because... I'm actually, I'm technically, uh, I'm actually in Florida right now for a conference um, to present my work at my institution. So I'm pretty excited about that. So we had to do our session today um, virtually. And also because Prof has been a busy man. Every time we try to record, he's in Mexico, he's here, he's there. So he's a man in, de- he's a man in demand. So we have to, we have to work with his schedule too, but we're excited. um, Y'all are tuning in with us today because we actually have a fun subject or topic that we want to talk about. Um, And we kind of started mentioning this a little bit in some of our interviews with some of our guests, but today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome and, you know, to kick us off and to launching this conversation, Profe, why don't you tell us what is imposter syndrome? I mean, you know, you got the PhD and all that. You go though, so I mean, go ahead and enlighten us. What is imposter syndrome? You know, imposter syndrome is when you have a lot of doubt in your ability, and you, in many cases, feel like a fraud that you do not belong in the mm-hmm. position that you're currently at. For example, uh, I've talked to a lot of students, a lot of professionals. Uh, you know, people of color and, and professional, you know, like their first generation college students that have a degree. And they've mentioned that even though they've worked very, you know, hard to get their degree and now they are in a position where they're making money, maybe even more money than their parents ever made. They still can't believe it. And they still have so much doubt in their ability and mm-hmm. they still feel like, you know what? I do not belong here, even though they do, you know, they earn that spot. Mm. So is that your personal opinion or is that the clinical term? <laughs> it's a little mixture of both. Like the clinical term is definitely the, the very first part that I've added. Yeah. But also my personal opinion is uh, really when people have just, again, they just don't believe that they belong there whatsoever. And that's what I've seen. Uh, yeah. And that's what, even what I felt, you know, uh, mm. being a first generation college student and getting my PhD and, and all that, even as a professional. Well, let, let's let's stick to the the topic, or like let's stick to the area of professionals, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think we've shared a good bit of like our you know journeys through college, yeah. but like as professionals, like when did you start experiencing imposter syndrome? <laughs> the, my very first semester teaching. <laughs> really, tell me about it. Because uh, you know you you're fresh out of grad school. I remember I won an award at a national Mm -hmm. conference and I went to this national conference and I did not know who, you know, uh, it was in Latino psychology, the national Latinx psychological association. They Mm -hmm. had their annual conference and it was in San Diego. And uh, I won an award for my dissertation. And I remember the, in the award ceremony, uh, I didn't know anybody. My mentor at the time had to leave the conference or didn't even, didn't even attend the conference because she had a family emergency so mm-hmm. I was all alone. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in this room. Uh, it was a banquet dinner ceremony and mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody. Luckily, I started talking to a psychologist, a counselor, counseling psychologist, uh, Dr. Pierluigi Mancini. And I'll never forget this, Larry. Uh, I entered the room and mm-hmm. Dr. Mancini is sitting in the very, very front. 
And he looks up, finds me, points at me and tells me, come here. Like, and I'm like, you talking to me? Kind of like, I was very confused. Mm -hmm. And then I just go next to him and he says, sit down next to me. And next thing you know, I start to sit, you know, Dr. Eduardo Romero, another very prominent psychologist in, in Latino psychology, sits down at the same table. And Dr. Mancini is just introducing me to all these people. And I even told Dr. Mancini, I don't belong here. I'm barely out of grad school. Like, this is, this is too much, you know, like, he's yeah. like, get used to this. Like, you belong here. Mm. And ever since then, I started feeling more confident. But there are moments where I'm like, oh, my goodness, am I teaching the right material? Am I teaching the right way? Am I worthy of being a professor? You know, mm -hmm. uh, and that was really early in my career. Now, after I'm in year five, four in mm -hmm. my professional career, and I'm like, eh, you know, I do deserve to be here. But there was a lot of self-esteem and self-doubt issues that I had to to battle. Did you ever feel like there was ever a point like, you know, I think and, that, and maybe this, you know, let me know what your thoughts are. Because there ever been a point where like, because maybe if you were like the only Latino in the room that you felt that even more, like it's more magnet, like it's more, uh, how you say it, like it's more amplified. Yeah, yeah. The fact that like, you know, the imposter syndrome comes into more real, becomes more of a, a reality because you are like the only Latino in the room. It's both a good and a bad thing. The good part is you are the only Latino there. You're like, wow, I am representing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then it always comes back to haunt you in the sense that, okay, I am representing. So I should, I need to do a good job. I need to be mm -hmm. perfect. I need to not screw up. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's like a double-edged sword where you can use it to help you or you can be used against you uh, if you get in, into your head so much. Mm -hmm. um, but there is this extra pressure, especially for us, Larry, again, because, you know, we're, we're, we got graduate degrees, we're working in professional settings that many of our people really, especially in the earlier generations, didn't get this opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we are paving the way for a lot of the future generations. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot of pressure for us, in, yeah. if you think about it. And the thing is, is not to let that pressure get to us. So, which can be a, a challenging thing. Yeah, no, definitely. So we, we had a, at one point, like, you know, <laughs> uh, we worked in the same institution, you yeah. know, how do you feel like being surrounded? Like once you got to be connected and plugged in with like others, like myself and like one of our other guests and good friends, Christian, <laughs> like did, does that, do you, do you find support and like yeah. knowing that like we all, deal with it as well and does that help you overcome but like how do you find ways to overcome and kind of cope with it you know that helps a lot having mm -hmm. that support system you know when i got to talk to you a lot here mm -hmm. in the university that i work for uh now that you abandoned me it's a little lonely <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no i talk a lot to christian at least mm -hmm. once or twice a week and we talk about the things that we're going through uh the committee that you help set up uh, and we're still kicking it. We're still keeping, mm -hmm. we're still running it here. The Latinx committee that has helped checking in once a month with mm -hmm. other colleagues, yeah. faculty and staff members has definitely helped. So I think forming that support system mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be in the institution or in the organization that you work for. It can definitely be outside of it. You know, mm -hmm. I have family here, I have a cousin who's very supportive of me and she's like, you know, 
like we say in our countries, echándome porras, mm. like like pushing, you know, pushing me forward, saying, "Hey, you can do this. I believe in you." Mm. Uh, so, family, friends, uh, mm. all of that really does help out because I'll never forget uh, when I was in Virginia and I would go to like family get-togethers. I had a cousin over there. And mm-hmm. people were like fascinated, like, oh, my God, you're studying a doctorate degree. And then they would talk to me and they're like, you know, like, you do you like you're estás representando la gente. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, like, <laughs> <laughs> like and, <laughs> and OK, can I eat? Uh, thank you. <laughs> but that's true. It is a little bit, it's quite a bit of pressure. And yeah. I see that a lot with, uh, yeah. with a lot of the students that we work with mm-hmm. uh, because of their family, you know, they're, again, they're the first in their family and all of a sudden they're, they're doing things that maybe they never imagined they would do mm-hmm. because they, it was expected of them to get a degree and help the family, but maybe yeah. they're doing more than they anticipated. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny. Cause like, we you know at, at, we're, we we see our students for where they're at and how they feel and it's funny because it's like you know how you started off earlier this conversation of the fact that like you know we we experienced imposter syndrome from even like college days or even younger mm-hmm. right and it's just now fascinating to be working in in higher education where we see it now within our students right yeah and giving them the little tidbits of advice or gold nuggets on like how do you kind of overcome it or cope with it or try to get past it because you know that we see the potential that at one point we didn't even see in ourselves when yeah. we were going through it right mm-hmm. so man that's, that's yeah. it's, it's crazy it's like you know how we're continuously breaking not only are we like professionals but we also play so many roles in this space right so we do but also what plays a role in in imposter syndrome is you know the market was really hot this this academic year and finding a new job like Mm -hmm. the job marketing was really hot and there were opportunities where it was maybe a director position or an assistant director position Mm -hmm. uh, maybe in a dei uh focused position right where Mm -hmm. I was tempted to apply and I only applied to one of them just to see how it goes. And I didn't get the job, Mm -hmm. but I had a lot of doubt in myself because I'm like, no, I'm not worthy. No, I'm not experienced. No, uh, that's, you know, like I'm not good enough for that position. So that even prevents us, you know, and again, other professionals from seeking higher positions, maybe that, we deserve, but we, well, we probably technically deserve it, but we don't believe that we deserve it, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. No, it really does. And you know what? And it's crazy because like our, our field is so dominated by, you know, the majority that it's like, it's hard like to picture yourself in some of these roles or like to mm-hmm. have the ideas that like, you know, I deserve to, you know, go after these positions because you oftentimes you see other, you see the majority taking them. And yeah. so that doesn't give you a good vote of confidence that, you know, you might be a valuable candidate, even though on paper you've done everything. And I think it's sometimes like we go above and beyond for the roles that we currently have. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. we've just learned that like, we have to go that extra mile to be able to stand out and for us to be successful. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, this is, I mean, it's so true. But what about you, Larry? Uh, because you made a transition in your career. You went from us working at a smaller institution to now you're in a very, very prominent institution in the state of Georgia. And that was a huge jump. Yeah. So what did you go through regarding specifically imposter syndrome? 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I experienced it twice. I mean, I experienced two different types as well. So I experienced it once when I switched sectors. So I was working in nonprofit and I was really happy. Like I was around people of color. I was around some, I had some great mentors. Like I was loving it, you know, and when I made the switch from nonprofit to higher education, you know, one of the big reasons I did it was because honestly, I wanted to, I wanted to get out of, I wanted to be in the system to help create change within the system. But what I didn't realize was that I was not going to be in a space where there was less representation and more bureaucracy. You know what I mean? And so I remember when I when I first started working at our where you you know the decision you work at, I felt imposter syndrome there at first because I was like, well, I'm no, I don't see a lot of people that look like me. The work that I was doing, like leading diversity initiatives and diversity recruitment, was still so new to the institution that, mm-hmm. you know, I you know, it wasn't like I could ask someone like, hey, what do you think about this idea? It was like they were looking at me. They're like, what do we do? You know, and so I was creating all these plans. And at certain points, I, I had I I doubt I was starting to doubt. Myself. I was like, I'm wondering, like, do can do I belong in this space? Am I doing the right work? Can I handle what's being asked of me? Because people like university leaders were looking at me and asking me for guidance, and they wanted to see results. Yeah, they're like they're like, okay, like you know, we don't we don't know what you're doing, but we got to see results, and. So, so that's when, you know, I really felt that at first and also like going into meetings and presenting, I sometimes felt like I w- was not supposed to be there because, mm-hmm. yeah, going back to the fact that like there's no one that looked like us in these spaces. And so that was the first time it was, it was when I switched careers when I first started working. And then again, right now where, you know, I went from a regional institution to now working at, um, an R1, a research one institution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now being at this, you know, highly selective, you know, national name institution, you know, I felt that again, because like now I'm surrounded by people that are at the top of their game, you know, still less representation, but I mean, you're talking about people with 10, 20, 15 years of admission work that are great at their craft and know this industry like the back of their hand yeah and like you know they're not and i don't have to question them i mean they really know their stuff and so like i i felt i, I still i felt that at first one I, I think i called you and i told you man i was yeah. like, like i don't know if i belong in this space but like you know i just did my first data presentation for an alumni association about enrollment for uh underrepresented students and it was so well received like mm-hmm. i legit left that meeting and i'll never forget there was like um and an assistant dean for student affairs from um, George Washington. And he told me, he was like, son, you keep doing what you're doing. You got a promising future in there. And that's what I needed. And he was a person of color. And that's what I needed, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to say like, you know, these last three, four months that I've been at this institution to be able to say, okay, like I'm on the right track. Yeah. Up to now, I was like kind of wondering like, you know, you know, every morning when I park my car or when I get off the train and I see, you know, this beautiful campus and you're seeing all these intellectual students, these highly competitive students and the great work. And the, and when you walk by and you see the history of like what this institution has done and like the the impact it has made, yeah. you know, in society, you know, it's a little intimidating. 
and you're just hoping that you can you're you're able to do one thing to help you know really lead this this work forward and so similar you know diversity initiatives so all that to say man like i felt it twice like two big times in my profession switching but also now like moving up right mm-hmm. but i just you know sometimes you just need those little those comments from those big people make all the difference yeah. for me like the validation to be able to say like hey you're doing good keep going those little victories mean everything mm-hmm. and they really make you feel not only that you belong there but that you know you're going places you know that, that it really gets all like again going back to to the definition of imposter syndrome it gets rid of your doubts it gets rid mm-hmm. of that sensation that you feel like a fraud now uh, i have a question for you and when, <laughs> i just want your perspective so yeah. we see, you know, especially people of color have high levels of imposter syndrome, and especially we see it among uh, women of color. Mm-hmm. But as we are see- also seeing, there's a lot of people of color, students of color that are getting these degrees, that are getting educated. Do you think maybe a decade from now, we're going to see a lower level of imposter syndrome among people of color? So I would say yes and no. Okay. Wow. And here's and here's what I mean. And let's just let's look at it specifically within our industry, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz I think this will look different when you look at the different sectors. When we see more you know minoritized and underrepresented students getting more degrees, you know, taking more jobs, that's great. I think we'll start combating imposter syndrome to an extent. I firmly believe that we'll start kicking imposter syndromes, but like super hardcore once we get to those top levels, because here's the reality. If I don't see myself or if I don't see others that look like us in the top positions that have the most influence and you know, govern and governing institutions or in policies or budgeting, you can get to a certain point, but then you're not seeing the representation at the top, right? Because then what you I think we we have is then like, you know, we we see ourselves here, but we're not seeing ourselves at a higher level. And that's what I think is the 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 boundary. It's like it's where we where do we want to set our mentality? That's why it's a yes or no, right? It's hard for me to answer this because It'd be great to see more of us in in, this, in our industries from a student affairs or a faculty side. But, I mean, you really want to talk about kicking imposter syndrome? Get us at the top and then finding a way to bridge and being able to create a network or or a mentorship mm-hmm. to help guide and show others the, the ropes to get to the top. I think you and me do a great job at this. And, you know, I'm, and you know me, I'm not one to, I'm very humble. I'm not one to brag on like one of our other close friends, <laughs> but I think we, we have, you and me have this philosophy um, of, you know, in, in higher education to pay it forward. Right. Yeah, like yeah. we'll do work. We're, we're trying to advance ourselves here, but we're also trying to open the door and bring others with us. Right. And I look at it from students and people and like, you know, that want to get into higher ed or students that I'm talking to right now. Um, when I was out, you know, when we were working together, like, you know, with the Latino um, association, like I, you know, I remember I had a couple of students that would 
ask me about like, what's it like to be in higher ed? And I tell them the realities, but I also tell them like, you know, it's one of the most rewarding industries. And I gave them tips of like, you know, this is what I would have done had I know, had I had the information and the knowledge, what I know now, this is what I, you know, I would advise you, you know, to, to how to help you to, you know, for you to, and then again, here's the, the, the things that you need to be aware of. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a yes and no. I think we'll see it. What about you? What do you think? Well, I think I, I really do agree with you. I think there needs to be more representation in powers of position, which that's going to take time as you are enjoying your French fries and your gourmet burger at this very moment. You, I can't believe you're doing this to me, eating in front of me. <laughs> and I haven't had, I haven't had lunch, man. This is dinner. <laughs> no, so, so the audience knows this man right here decided to stop recording for a brief second to go pick up his gourmet burger. But hey, I understand he's traveled. This is this is Larry, guys. I cannot. I cannot. (laughs) So I I do believe there is hope, uh, but we just need to be so patient. And I do believe that uh, the later generations will have at least that we'll see lower rates of imposter syndrome. But I do believe it'll still linger. Among, you know, among the Latinx, African-American, you know, populations of color, uh, mm-hmm. which is sad because we really are very talented. You know, we really have so much to give in yeah. all levels of industry and in all types of industry. But it's also a matter of believing that we do. And unfortunately, yeah. I think we face so many barriers at times that it, it does, in many cases, squash our self-esteem and, and our beliefs. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's a, another thing is that I think we needed, we need, I think there should, we need as a group, as a people to be more united. Right. Yeah. I, I love this saying in my fraternity, it's like in in unity, there's strength mm-hmm. because, you know, we have this, sometimes we do this thing, to to ourselves as a group of people where like you know one makes it to the top and it's like you know we, well we're going to try to bring that person down right yeah or we make it to the top and we forget to create the pathway to bring others up with us right yes and so we have to can also continue moving forward but also like creating the pathways mentoring and staying united as people so that way we can all talk about it like i think in any form like you know even if we get you know, we take over these, you know, if, if we take over and then we take some more, take more roles and then we see more representation in, in leadership, because it's going to happen. I mean, it's just the way the world's going right now, mm-hmm. but you know, we're always going to deal with imposter syndrome because of, you know, whether it's the, the racial history of the United States, whether it's the audience that you're working with, yeah, excuse me, or the sector that you're in you're always going to find it in some way. I mean, then there's even like the first gen imposter syndrome, right? Being the first yeah. in your family to, to do a lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. But we need to stay collective as a group of people, unite, be united and help each other through, through, through it all. But um, that's how, that's how we really get together. I mean, I think that's how we beat imposter syndrome. And um, I think I'm really proud of the fact that like, you know, we've been there for each other to do that, but like we've done that for the students that we work with at, you know, at the institution that you work at, but even I'm doing it little, little by little here now at my new institution, like we pay it forward because, (coughs) 
See, Sorry, it's that, chip, that chip that you're eating, I tell you, <laughs> you're eating that chip and now it's making a choke. <laughs> right. But, but like, but, but what I want to say is like, um, we're, 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 we're doing this. I mean, we're, we're really doing this work and I'd love to see more of us do this, like the way, you know, really pay forward. I think like that's yeah. how we really start being, being imposter syndrome. Well, Rafa, let me ask you this. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, what's you know, because we, we talk about it from a collegiate standpoint, but like for professionals, what's one advice that you would give to like a young professional, you know, trying to come up that's dealing with imposter syndrome? Believe in yourself. You've earned that, that place, that position, that job, you've earned it. And the harder, harder you work, right? It's all about perseverance. You persevere, you push through, you break down the barriers that you will encounter and you will grow. And it's okay to make mistakes. You don't have to be perfect in the in the job that you got. You know, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you keep on learning. And that's what's going to help you grow, and that's what's going to help you move up because you belong there. That's the advice I would give them. Love it, love it. I think like with me, I, uh, it's funny. Like you know, kind of like how you just said about like you know the little wins. You know, take. T- cherish and take those little wins you know when they yeah, happen yeah. don't just you know brush it off like own those you know take in those wins because man they'll carry you and then just honestly just to build off that man yeah like what you said believe in yourself you got to you got I to agree. because we didn't we didn't make it this far to to, to quit no we did not we've we've paid our dues and we're still paying our dues to move up you know so right. The, no, I completely agree with you there, Larry. Right. And please don't choke on that pickle. <laughs> I got no pickles. Oh my gosh, man! You look like a pickle, okay? French fries, bro. Chill. <laughs> and I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> well, Profe, any final thoughts, man? Before oh, we close off. Before we close off. No, it's always a pleasure, and definitely keep on. You know, the younger generations, the college students, the young professionals, oh. keep working hard. Keep working hard and keep paving paving the way for the future generations. Yeah, and never never doubt yourself. And anytime imposter syndrome kicks in, just kick its butt back. You know, you deserve to be in the spaces that you're in today. And oh, I think this is another thing we for, I forgot to mention. Like, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Oh, yeah. Your, your road and your journey is unique to you. So cherish it. And hey, it, it's one life. You know, like don't don't chase someone else's dream. Chase your own. Definitely. Because again, everyone makes their own path. Everyone has their own path. Mm -hmm. So I tell that to students, like if you finish in four years, that's great. If you finish in five years, that's great. You do you. This is not a race. Right. Well, with that, folks, we're going to close off until our next episode. We have a special person that we are excited to interview. So stay tuned for the next episode. Any last thoughts? Any last words? No, just please don't choke in the pickle. (laughs) There's no pickle, y'all. Well, y'all take care, and we'll catch y'all in the next one. All right, bye. (laughs)